there is a way to be truly happy, not pretending to be happy, but to be truly happy. Hello and welcome to Self Talk. I'm Rachel Astarte. Today I have the pleasure of having Linda Bjork with me as a guest. She is a best-selling author. She's the host of Linda's Corner podcast and she's the founder of Hope for Healing, a nonprofit charity that provides tools and resources to help you create the life that you want. Welcome Linda. Thank you Rachel. I am delighted to be here today. Wonderful. It's so great to have you. So let's start out right away with Hope for Healing. And I I would love for you to talk a little bit about the organization and also what called you to create it. Oh, thank you for asking. So my personal mission is to help people become their best selves and those who feel like they are trapped in a dark place to know that you're not alone and that there is a way out. We don't have to stay stuck. And the reason that this is my passion is because I've lived it. And I had a time in my life where I had a series of unfortunate, catastrophic, traumatic events, and it overwhelmed me. And I allowed myself to slip into a dark place. And Rachel, it felt like I was in a hole and it was so deep and it was so dark that it was like sunlight, happiness, and hope could not reach me. It was empty and it was dark and it wasn't just empty and dark. It was miserable where I wished to cease existing so that the pain would just stop. And I also struggled with anxiety at this time where it felt like my comfort zone absolutely collapsed. I did not feel safe, not anywhere and not with any one. And so from this dark, awful place, I was there for about five years, but almost no one knew because I was able to put on a good face and try to pretend like everything was okay. And so most people actually had no idea that I was dying inside. And then after a while, my sister, who was at that time training to become a life coach, she invited me to come to a women's retreat that she was hosting. And my thought was, no way, there's no way. Because first of all, I can't handle being around other people. And second of all, I'm hopeless. There's nothing you can do that's going to help me. Because in this dark, dark place, there were no windows. There were no doors. I thought, this is my new reality. I am stuck and there is nothing I can do. But somehow the idea just wouldn't leave my head. So I gathered my courage together and I went. And I'm so glad that I did because it's very much as if my sister lowered a ladder down into my deep, dark hole. So even though there were no windows or doors, there was a way out. And it was very much a ladder. It wasn't like an elevator with a press of a button. Ha ha, you're all better. It took time. It took effort. It was hard but it worked. And I've learned from my experiences that healing is not like flipping on a light switch where it's this instant change. It's more like a sunrise where the change from moment to moment might be small and imperceptible, but it does come. And just like we can believe that the sun is going to rise on a new day, there is hope that we can heal and that we can progress. And because I have gone through that experience and I know what it feels like, I 
feel passionate to be able to help other people who might be curled up on their couch sobbing, which is where I was, yeah. that you don't have to stay there. And that this is not what, what life needs to be like you till the end of time. There is a way to be truly happy, not pretending to be happy, but to be truly happy. And so that is why I do what I do. And I am an author. I created Hope for Healing, which is a nonprofit where we offer tools and resources for free to help people to be able to get out of that place of being stuck and to show up as their best possible selves. So that is why I do what I do. That's beautiful. And there's credibility that's lent to that by having gone through what you went through, you know, and, and a lot of people who are experiencing depression, I've certainly been through it myself, which is one of the reasons I became a therapist is um, that it often does feel like there's no way out. Right. Your, your case, my case is different from everyone else's. I'm suffering by myself. Nobody is going to help me. Um, you know, somehow I'm just going to be stuck here. And, and you had the blessing of your sister offering you that ladder. And you made such an important point that I really want to re-stress that it isn't an elevator. It's a ladder that, that you have to do the work, but that work is joyful. Sometimes it's painful when you have to face some of the stuff that, you know, got you into the depression or the anxiety, but that's all toward the healing. And I love the sunrise analogy as well, because we don't get full sunlight immediately. It's not like it doesn't turn, you know, the sun just doesn't show up in the sky. It creeps in. And that's how the healing happens too. It creeps in. It begins to illuminate slowly around us. You know, and so when we start to pay attention to that, that's when the healing can really begin. You know, like when you're exercising and you go to the gym and you lift weights and your muscles hurt the next day or the two, or the two days after, and you think, I'm never going to do that again. But if you keep going back to the gym and you rip those muscles, and you get stronger, stronger, you begin to be inspired by how strong you're becoming. You may not be exactly where you want to be, but, but you have that inspiration, would you find that, did you find that that was the case as well? Oh, absolutely. And I love, as you're describing, that there's a positive outcome, that it's worth it. Because when I was in that dark place and feeling like there is no hope, nothing is going to work anyway, it was hard to have the, uh, I don't know, the courage, the incentive, the motivation to do the things that I needed to do because that I struggled with having that positive expectation. And I, I like to teach that healing begins with hope. And I use hope as an acrostic where H is a hunger. Mm-hmm. We have to have a desire to change, but it's not just a little desire. It has to reach a tipping point. And that tipping point is where you want to change more than you want to stay the same because it's so easy to stay the same. It is easier to stay the same. And so we have to have that desire, that hunger. 
The O is for being open. And when I was struggling with depression and anxiety, oh, I was rolled up tight, 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 like a little armadillo on its shell. And the reason that they do that is to protect themselves. And that is exactly what I was doing. I was trying to protect myself. I was 100% in survival mode, but we can't heal from that place. We have to be able to open up. And the cool thing is we don't have to go from tight, tight, tight to arms open wide because I couldn't do that. I had to be able to go from tight, tight, tight to opening just a teeny bit to be able to think, well, maybe. And if I can start with it, well, maybe that's better than nothing. That's a good place because, you know, we cannot heal without our consent. We have to be open to change. We have to be open to healing. We have to be open to trying new things. We have to be open to doing something that we might think is stupid for a little while until you kind of get the hang of it. And the P is for positive expectancy. And that means that we're expecting something good to come out of this, that it is worth it. And again, I did not go from having zero hope and zero positive expectancy to, I know this is going to work. I have 100% confidence. It was just a little bit of, well, maybe. Mm. And, and then if we can get the idea that I'm not alone, there's someone else who's been through and it worked for her. Mm-hmm. So maybe it'll work for me. If we just allow even a little bit, it's a great place to start. And the E comes is empowerment. When we're in that place of anxiety and depression, and I felt totally, totally powerless. I'm, I'm dropped in this deep, dark hole. There is no way out. I, I have no power. And so in order to heal, we have to get our power back. And the way that we do that is from a combination of learning and doing. And that is the magic. You can't just learn without doing. And and, and we're not going to do unless we learn. So putting those two things together, that gets our power back. And then we can climb that ladder and get out into the sunshine and live a joyful life. Because that is what this is about, is living authentically and joyfully. Right, right. And this is, that's so beautiful. And, and it, it's what I talk to my patients about a lot too. We are not meant to fail. Creation is not in the business of making things that fail. We are not meant to be curled up like an armadillo on the couch where that's not what we're designed to do. Something really real put you there. Something really painful put you there, whether it's the voices in your head or an an event that was traumatic or several events, as you mentioned, that were traumatic for you. And, and, and it's overwhelm, right? And so our nervous system protects ourselves by shutting down, but that's not the state we're meant to be in, which is, I think what you're speaking to. Right. Where it is again, intended to protect ourselves. So we can be compassionate with ourselves that I went to that place. It was a form of self-protection. Absolutely. That's not where we're supposed to stay. And I think that's what matters as we were not intended to stay in that place. Right. Right. And I, and there is that helpless feeling. That's what keeps us frozen and immobile because we are in a fight or flight state mm-hmm. because of the trauma. So whatever, whatever it was that, you know, cum- cumulatively or individually that got us into that place of, Oh God, I can't handle this. Blah, you know? So, mm-hmm. right. And not that we consciously do that, but unconsciously we, we just don't have the resources and that, you know, human beings are so adaptable. And I think this is so important to point out that, okay, we all went through the pandemic. We all went through lockdown. Many of us went into lockdown going, oh my God, I can't even imagine what is going on in the world. Freak out, freak out. What ended up happening over time for a lot of people was they began to realize the beauty of being around their family more or 
being in solitude more or focusing their attention on things that mattered to them. So many people left unproductive jobs because they realized my life is worth more than this, right? But we adapted not only to the lockdown, but we adapted to a new way of being, many of us, not all of us, but many of us adapted to a new way of being post-lockdown. So when I think about depression, we get used to it. We think this is our life. Absolutely. This, this, I, I'm used to this. This is who I am. So what you're saying that's so beautiful is having that moment where you say, enough. I've learned what I needed to learn from this depression. It's time to move on to something else because I can't continue, literally can't continue in this state, right? And so trusting that the same way you got used to being depressed is the same way you'll get used to getting out of depression is also very important, I think. I love that. And I love that remembering because when I'm in that spot, sometimes we focus right there, right here, right now. And, you know, we talk about being present, that it's a good thing. And sometimes it is, but when you're in depression, it's not necessarily so good because it was like, I can't even remember what it was like before. And there's absolutely no future. So this is it. So to be able to say, hey, a process put me here and a process can get me out seems logical. And it's really yes. helpful when you have your brain on board with this. Yes. Yes. Because that's part, that's part of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and um, you said something that I just wanted to remark on. Oh yeah. It's like when we're sick, when we have the flu or God forbid COVID and we're lying there going, I can't remember what it feels like to be well. How many times have we all had experienced like, I can't even, I'm going to die here. This is how I'm going to be, <laughs> you know, I'm going to die of the common cold or the flu. And you eventually get better. Most of us do, you know? And so if that's a really important thing to remember is there is always light at the end. We just have to do what it takes, take your medicine or do your meditation or do your affirmations or whatever it is that you need to get out of it. Um, And I love that you're talking about the things that we do to get out. And are we going to talk about some of the things that, that I use to help get me out that might be absolutely. Yeah. And then I want to talk about your books, but yes, I would love to hear. And I mean, your books are part of it. I believe writing was one of the things that helped you. Oh, absolutely. In fact, with some of the tools, I can think of four, four different types of tools that come with writing that help to be able to get you from that being stuck to being able to get out and to be able to help manage stress as well. One of the things is our brain, our head is like a a closed container. And if we don't let these thoughts and these feelings get out, they just run around, 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 and they keep boinging around. And we have rumination where we might be thinking, you know, I, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm a failure. Oh, I'm not this enough. Oh, I'm not that enough. And when we just let those thoughts go around and around and around, they just don't seem to stop. We've got to give them a way to get out. And writing is an excellent way to do that. And so if you can write all the things that you're feeling and those thoughts that are running in your head, it gives them a chance to get out. And then we don't want to keep those awful negative thoughts because they're not really true. If we rip them up or burn them and chuck them, that also gives a a signal to our mind. Yes, you had those thoughts. You had those feelings. They have been validated. However, they aren't true. That was actually garbage. So let's put it where it belongs, not in your head. Let's put it in the garbage can. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a way to help us to be able to, you know, cause we struggled. I struggled with being depressed, but before that, for years and years and years, I struggled with, I'm not good enough. I don't matter. I'm invisible. And those kinds of feelings, getting it out and getting it in the trash is, is helpful, a helpful way to release. And it can help release our anger too, if we're struggling with a relationship or an, uh, an event that happened in our lives. Another thing that writing can do and that, that I used in my process is to be able to help figure out how did I get there in the first place? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before that it, it was a process. I mean, what put me there? Not just the event, but the underlying of why did that Why did that push me over the edge? Mm-hmm. And figuring these kinds of things out. And I had the privilege of conversing with Dr. Fujian Sane who is the creator of the awareness integration model. And I've been reading her book called um, Life Reset. And it's fascinating as you're trying to become self-aware of of why and put all the pieces together, that writing is such an integral part of figuring out who you are and why you do what you do. Because a lot of times we're on autopilot. We do what we do because that's what we've always done. And it just seems totally logical. And we don't even ask ourselves why we do this or why we think this. But if we sit down and say something like, I feel invisible because... And then just start writing. My brain knows, my body knows, it knows what's in there. I can't remember it, but if I keep writing, it will come up. And then events came up of, oh, yes, when you were six years old, this happened. Your mom went through a trauma and she was taking care of other things and she cut you off emotionally and you became invisible to her, or at least you felt that way. And then that continued throughout life. And it's like, oh, okay, that wasn't because I wasn't good enough. That was actually had nothing to do with me and I can let that go. So that's another way that writing can make a difference. Another way that we can use writing is through writing a gratitude journal. Now, when I first heard of gratitude journals, I thought, well, that's nice, you know, for people who (laughs) like to do that sort of thing, but it doesn't, I mean, I'm a person dealing with real issues here and I'm really struggling. So I need a real tool. And the research shows that gratitude is an incredibly effective tool. And I love that Um, through fMRI scans, they show that gratitude helps to improve. It helps to stimulate the prefrontal cortex area, first of all, which is where we have our conscious decision-making and it helps us to be able to be able to act more than just reacting to situations, which is so important, helps us to be able to make better decisions. And it also improves the neuroplasticity of the brain, which is necessary for growth, for change, for healing, for resiliency, and for being able to adapt to change. And so it does amazing things. And it also helps with depression. And one of my favorite studies that was done They took a group of people struggling with severe depression and said, okay, we just want you to make one change, write three things that went well today, every day for 15 days, three things that you're, that you're grateful for things that went well, 15 days later, they came back and 94% of the participants had a noticeable improvement. They'd either gone from severely depressed to moderately or mildly depressed. And it was incredible. It didn't mean that it solved all of their problems, but it did put them in a better place to be able to handle their problems. And then it's not a one-time thing. It's a little bit every day. And in only two weeks, they had incredible improvement. So these are the kinds of things that if we can put ourselves into an attitude of gratitude, other things seem to take care of themselves, which is magical. 
And then the fourth way that I have found writing to be a benefit is to write successes of the day. Again, as I was struggling with feelings of my life is a waste. I, I mean, people would be better off without me. I am, I, you know, I'm a failure. I'm no good. I'm invisible on and on and on and on. And when those are the thoughts that are in my head, my brain and my subconscious does such a good job at saying, oh, if that's what you'd like to look for, let me tell you all the places you messed up today. And so those thoughts would come into my mind. But if I get into the habit of writing every night, this is what I did well today. This is something I was successful at today. And then it helps my brain shift and say, oh, you're looking for what you did well. Okay. Well, today you did that well and you did that well. I mean, all of those things are out there. I'm not an infallible human. I do good things. I do things that don't go well, but where the focus goes, the energy tends to flow. And if I'm concentrating on what went well, then more things seem to go well. And if I'm concentrating on all of my failures, it seems like I mess up more. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's kind of funny like that, isn't it? And and that and you just hit on such an important point. You know, where we put our attention is where is is what we will see. We uh, the shamanic way of saying it is we dream our world into being. So what are we focusing on? That's what the world will look like to you. That's physics as well. And I talk about this in almost every episode. So forgive me, all my listeners, because here we go again. But when we're testing, um, it's, it's superpositioning and so, or the observer effect. So if we're testing for a particle or a wave, a particle or a wave, if we're testing for a wave, we're going to see a wave. If we're testing for a particle, we're going to see a particle. And that's, that's science. So what you're saying actually does have a scientific foundation to it as well, which is so beautiful for logical people like me who are, who are also creative. That's a really, um, that's a win-win. It's very, you know, we're, we are, um, we are able to affect the change that we want to see. And I love those practices. Um, can you tell us a little bit about one or two of your books? Oh, absolutely. So one of my books is called Crushed, A Journey Through Depression. And that is the journal that I wrote while I was going through this process. And it is very real. It is very raw. And I've had a lot of positive feedback from readers who said, I felt like you were in my head. I felt like I was reading my story because even though our life experiences are very different, mm. the feelings, the emotions that we have are very similar and relatable. And it's very helpful to know that you're not alone and that there is hope for healing. So having that personal kind of immersion of, oh, okay, this is how that, how she felt. And, and I felt the same way. It's validating and feeling like I'm not by myself. This is a, this is a, a, this is normal. And there's lots of different kinds of normal, which is helpful. Another one of my books is called You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. And I know during the pandemic, we've mentioned a few times today that this has become part of our experience. And it's, it's something that is challenging, but it also can be a little bit unifying in that everyone across the entire world has had some kind of experience with this, this pandemic. And we have something in common, which is kind of cool. And like you mentioned earlier, some people are doing great. They're, they're finding their own balance and realizing what matters to them. And other people who don't have the tools and have not been in that spot of being able to handle it well have really struggled. And it's for anybody who's struggling in, on any level, we want to be able to give the tools to be able to 
put them in a good place as well. And so that's what this book does is it has small, simple action steps, very specific step by step. And I like things to be short and easy because when we talk about trying to heal ourselves or trying to do something and we're feeling already overwhelmed and completely, it's like, don't ask me to do one more thing. I, I can't. And so it needs to be small enough and simple enough that it feels like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. Those are the rungs of the ladder. Exactly. Just one step, just one step. And then once you do that step, oh, and guess what? You're high enough to reach the next step. And so these kinds of things. So I, I very much, to me, it matters that I don't just say something and give kind of a cheerleader speech. It's more of a coaching experience where it's, okay, and this is what you do mm-hmm. so that there's those actual tools to be able to put yourself in a better place. Yeah. So you're guiding the reader so that they feel supported mm-hmm. and you're, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Now I'm going to ask you, I, I hear it. Sometimes when I'm recording these things, I can hear the listeners and all their questions, whether, you know, just through. <laughs> well, Linda, that's all wonderful. But what if I'm not a writer? How do I, how do I put pen to paper if I don't, if I, if I think that I'm terrible as a writer? Oh, that's an excellent question. So I'm going to answer that in two parts. One, I'm going to say what we can do to write. And another is there's another way. So first of all, when we're thinking about writing, if we're using, because it's such a powerful tool to do all these wonderful things, think about who your audience is. Sometimes we're afraid to do something because, you know, I I don't want to put this out for the world or I don't want anybody to see it. That's fine. You're writing it for yourself. It's an audience of one, and there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. And so that's something to help us get over that fear. And another good thing is it's not the only way to do things. And that's part of the magic. There are so many different tools, so many different methods that we can get to get to a place where we can climb that next rung into the ladder. And again, I run a nonprofit. It's called Hope for Healing, and it's at hopeforhealingfoundation.org. And we list tons of different tools that people can use. And if you say, well, there's writing, but I don't like that. That's fine. Pick another one. It's kind of like having a tool belt and you can pick the best tool for the job and you might have your favorites and that's great. And that means that the things that you don't like, you don't have to do. Sometimes as I'm talking to people, they say, oh, Linda, don't ask me to meditate. I hate meditating. (laughs) No problem. Then don't meditate. Let's do this instead. Because there are so many different ways that we can do it. And one of the things that I teach is is a five-minute morning routine with music, movement, words, and water that you can do to help put yourself physically, mentally, emotionally in a good place so that you can get through the day short, easy, fun. Yeah. Beautiful. And I love that approach because we are all unique in our Mm -hmm. own way. And so what works for one person is just not going to work for another. And so it's so important to know that there are many avenues toward your healing. What speaks to you is what will speak to you. There is no right or wrong way as long as you get there, right? As long as you're on the path to getting to where you want. lovely that there's more than one right way to do things. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, you mentioned it before, but I'm going to ask you officially, how can listeners find you? A great place to find me 
is at Hope for Healing, and it's at hopeforhealingfoundation.org. And we have tons of free resources and free eBooks and free audio courses and free downloads and just all sorts of things to be able to help people show up as their best selves. I also do a podcast like yourself. Mine is called Linda's Corner, and you can find me at lindascornerpodcast.com. And of course, on Apple and every place else that you can find podcasts. And you can find me on social media at Linda's Corner Podcast. Beautiful. And I'm going to, of course, have all of these links in the show notes. And before we say goodbye, I want to have the people who are watching us here on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe to the channel so you can have wonderful interviews like Linda here. Um, and I post every other week, so you won't be hit up too much. Uh, but I think it's a beautiful thing to have. So please be sure to subscribe to Self-Talk with Rachel Astarte. Linda Bjork, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a pleasure. Uh...